Hi, I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. Join me every Wednesday for open, honest, and real conversations about change, transformation, and resilience to inspire and empower you. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find verified wellness professionals and holistic health resources at HealingWays. That's Healing, W-A-Z-E.com. Today's episode is a conversation with my friend, colleague, and member of the Healing Ways team, Laura Rao of The Vital Spirit. This was my first podcast conversation in almost a year, so I was a little rusty. Bear with me. But Laura showed up in all her amazing mentor glory. The theme of this episode and the podcast in general is all about inspiration through others' stories of change and transformation. And Laura's story is inspiring and also hopeful. Something we could all use a lot more of these days, right? We touch on empathy, relationships, dark nights of the soul, and Laura's mentor, all of which inspired her to do the work she is doing today, helping others live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. I think you'll find her strength, resilience, and candor are admirable and inspiring. Um, You are one of the most articulate people I know, and I don't think I ever knew that you stuttered. Yes, I stuttered severely um, from the time I started talking until I was nine or 10. And I had a speech therapist and yeah, it was a big deal. Um, And I, and in fact, I still, when I'm nervous, stumble over P's and O's and other letters, but I have to be really nervous. And since I've done so much public speaking, and graduate school kind of cures you of a lot because you're just constantly doing talks yeah. um, and presentations. That was, it's less so, but it was really hard for me to articulate. Reading out loud in class was painful. It's just painful. Yeah, and interestingly that. enough, I don't remember anyone teasing me about this. My oh, parents were really very... Um, they, my sister teased me relentlessly about everything, but I don't remember her teaching, teasing me about this. That's awesome. At all. Yeah. But, and no, I don't remember kids teasing me either, but it was definitely an impediment. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, how do you express yourself? Singing was my way out because you don't stutter when you sing. Mm. That's why you say you sing whether we like it or I, not. <laughs> think it was in my blood I couldn't do anything about it nobody could stop me but it definitely (laughs) was a you know I I remember singing and dancing to albums that my mom would put on when she cleaned the house when Uh I was little she cleaned and I'd be dancing doing dance routines and singing at the top of my lungs it was Grease the album Grease it was nice from my (laughs) meatloaf which my mother probably doesn't I don't know. That probably wasn't the best thing for me to sing to, but you know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say who, who can't sing to those songs? Yes, I don't know. Exactly. I, exactly. I can't. Comes on the radio. I might even kind of hate that song, but I have to sing. <laughs> I think we all end up hating it after a while, but yeah, it's compelling. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love it. Well, that's really cool. So that was, you know, probably one of your big first obvious transformations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you describe yourself as an empath. I actually see you as kind of like the empath expert. 
I do. <laughs> and when I think of empath, I think Laura. So um, we're going to talk about that because that is a huge part of who yeah. you are and who you identify as. And it's actually a big part of a lot of us, actually. Um, but a lot of people don't know that. So can you briefly explain what being an empath means? There's lots of ways of explaining this. The simplest way I know of to explain it is that it's, it's people. It's people who have a very sensitive nervous system and very sensitive senses and uh, throw in a little bit of psychicness in there. And we pick up particularly on the feelings of other people. So um, we're all born empaths. So we all have this ability where we are downloading information from our mother to help us learn as babies. Because mm. we're learning a ridiculous amount of information. N nobody could teach you, sit down and teach you what babies learn. It would take decades. We just literally absorb it through the mind and psyche of our mother. So that also means that if they, we absorb the way they see things, the way they feel anger or, and when, and the way they feel happy and when. Mm -hmm. So we're learning so much and it's a shorthand. We couldn't really do what we do without it. Many of us, most of us lose that when we get socialized in school. Mm, okay. So um, we individuate around seven. Those of us who don't, there's many reasons why we might not. One of the most common is trauma. Um, and and in often it's, it's neglect or um, physical abuse. If there's an alcoholic in the home, something that makes you feel unsafe or insecure. And those senses, you, you're just on hyper alert, hyper vigilance, like looking around for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And we don't allow ourselves to individuate. We don't allow ourselves to shut down those senses the way a lot of other people do. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. but there's other ways. You don't have to have been through trauma as a child to maintain it. Sometimes yeah. you're just born more sensitive. Do you feel like you've always been in touch with knowing that maybe, I know a lot of us who are empaths feel different have you kind of always had that feeling like you are different? You feel, you feel more or deeper or so it seems compared to I other think children. The answer is yes, but it's also, I didn't realize other people weren't like me until maybe junior high. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, but up until then, I really, I spend a good deal of time as a kid alone. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't in school, I was at home by myself. And I played with kids, but, you know, we were latchkey kids, so I couldn't have friends over, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it, it was like the kind of an isolated experience. So I was very inward focused. I would watch a tremendous amount of TV, but I was always thinking about how I do things and how how does that work? And, you know, I was very mental and active. So yeah. I didn't notice that other people weren't like that mm -hmm. until I was a lot older. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about maybe one of the times that you realized, I don't know, did you know that you 
were an empath or even kind of, I mean, even if there wasn't really a word, so you didn't know when you, we're going to no. talk about your marriage, your, your first dark night, My um, first dark night. <laughs> because I just want to, I just want to tell everybody listening that that was going to be the first, that was gonna be the first focus or the main focus. And then we chatted for a second before we started and we're like, well, we need to talk about the second one too. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about two dark nights, which are very yeah. transforming. <laughs> very. The first dark night. So the, the, the marriage, no, I didn't understand. I didn't know. Um, I didn't it, look the way I look back on that now. I had no understanding of that going into it and being in it. I knew something was wrong. I knew this wasn't healthy. My ex-husband is um, suffers from bipolar, undiagnosed. His father is diagnosed bipolar. That's why I feel very comfortable diagnosing him. Um, but he was narcissistic. Uh, I don't know if he is a narcissist, but he definitely struggled with... Um, letting me have boundaries. He struggled with communication. He couldn't take responsibility for anything. He was brilliant, which made it all the harder because, you know, when in doubt, he probably was right, but he wasn't always right. And he would always default to, you know, everyone's wrong and he's right. So it was challenging. Um, he, he would never drop an argument. We would, like, if we started an argument, it could go on all night. It could go on for H10, 24 hours. No break. Yeah. And it's abuse, too. I mean, it's just, it just is. Psychological, definitely, for sure. And exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and if I started to fall asleep, he would, uh, you know, yell at me for that. It was Uh, not fun. No. It was not fun. Yeah. So looking at that, I understand how that happened because he is a very extreme version of, you know, my, my mom and my mom is narcissistic. She is not a narcissist. Yeah. And she is really, she's a wounded empath who could not manage the emotional world of her husband, her kids Mm -hmm. and herself. It was too much. And she had to like, focus on herself and kind of push us out. Um, but the damage is, is that's how the damage is done. Yeah. So, You've said this in other conversations, how they often do end up together. Yeah. And I read, I was reading about that and they referred to in the article I was reading said it was a parasitic relationship. Mm, and I was that like, feels right. That and feels it's, right. And I, I also want to say my ex-husband was also a great guy. Yeah. He was a damaged human yeah. and he wouldn't want to be this way if he had any ability to control it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he'll ever reconcile that that is true. Yeah. Um, and they aren't conscious of this. It's, it's something that just happens. And we, I think those of us who are wounded have been wounded young and understanding what love is and, and perhaps our parent was not a um, giving of love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of roadblocks to that or consequences. Yeah. Um, it's the perfect setup 
for a narcissistic relationship because we see love, we see abuse in love and we see the woundedness and we see how deep they are and we see the true person underneath or the soul that they want to be. And we only focus on that until it's too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's hoping to get back to that. Like, how do we get him to go back to that place? And the truth is that was never, he's, he isn't that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's his potential, I guess, but that's long over. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you guys married? Uh, married three years, but okay. I was with him from 24 to 33 okay. in living together. Yeah. Um, we were, we didn't divorce. It took a while to unwind the divorce, but um, yeah. Who so, initiated the divorce? Me. You did? Okay. So that leads me. Tries to get that to stick. Okay. Okay. He, he was good at talking me out of it. Yeah. So what made you, what, what made it finally stick? Like when, when did you know, like this? My epiphany moment was listening. My friend gave me a copy of, she saw the pain I was in. She knew we were struggling. She gave me a copy, an audio version of Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the intro. I think it's his first sentence. And at least it's how I remember it. Yeah. Um, you are not your mind. Yeah. Oh, yep. My marriage is over because my ex would never accept that. He that he knew he was smart and that made him special. And mm-hmm. that was what anchored him in his reality. And it was my moment. And he was, by the way, a very, really spiritual guy. Like, of, of everyone I've dated, I think we held a similar understanding of spirituality and personal development. Wow. And it, I felt like that was the moment where the student surpassed the teacher. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was never going to understand this. And I felt the words in my soul as a, yep, that's right. And, you know, what he was trying to, you know, t- contort me into was his version joel's version of greatness and it was i wanted nothing to do with it because it's it's really patriarchal it's really punishment oriented it's it's awful yeah yeah it's only from his own wounds you know it's from feeling that he never lived up to what people wanted from him yeah well you definitely we're learning a lot about yourself then during that, those nine years, obviously. Um, and you said that that was one of the first big uh, kind of changes to yourself. Like you, that's when you first started to get a lot more clear about boundaries, what they are, what they mean for you, what you want that to look like, um, yep. set you on a different career path. Yeah. Was that, so that was at the end of that divorce. Yeah. The career change, so I used to do consulting work and was in organizational development. Um, I have a master's in organizational management. Um, I, we had a business together. When okay. we separated, the business ended. It, we bankrupted ourselves um, through our dysfunction, not actually any other way. 
so I went into therapy immediately, which I've been really wanting to do and he didn't want me to. Mm-hmm. So I found a fantastic therapist who had all of these energy modalities and she was the one who said, I think you're an empath. And I went, what is this? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she explained it to me and I went, oh my God, that's a thing. Yes, I'm that thing. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that was a thing. That's kind of what I thought when I met you. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, from, you know, I worked for, with her from 2005 until 2000. She died in 2013. And she changed my life. No doubt about it. I didn't see from the time I started working with her, I never imagined doing this work, but the happier I got, the more I understood how life-changing her work was, the more I'm like, somebody has to do this. Like, cause she sort of made her own magic. And I always wanted her to, you know, she was a licensed therapist. I wanted her to write a book and teach other people how to do it. She's like, ah, it's not my thing. I don't want to do that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to learn it because somebody, people need to be able to do this. It's life changing, life changing. I am not the same person I was. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're, you, it's kind of, you're carrying on the torch for sure. Yeah. So when we were talking before the call, then that's kind of part of your second dark night. So you learned a lot, you grew during the marriage and definitely in the divorce and beyond. And you met this wonderful therapist that really has set you up for, for a lot of what you're doing now. And, Mm -hmm. um, then you went through, that was 2012, 2013, which you and I realized was a tough year for both of us. (laughs) 2012, Um, 2013 was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But again, out of the bad has definitely contributed to the evolution of you for sure. Um, so yeah, tell me, tell me about that second dark night. Cause I've heard little tidbits, but yeah, what I, gained, wants to know. what I gained from Linda was a really solid foundation in my spirituality. I've always been a spiritual person. I have studied religions. I've studied different um, philosophies and I've uh, all my life. I mean, it probably started in earnest in college, but I am just that person who's seeking. And she helped me understand more she introduced me to energy medicine which i think of as very spiritual but i also i i realize it isn't for everybody so that was a surprise that was part of this awakening too Mm -hmm. um so my healing was really to me a spiritual journey and it was um i was steeped in the belief when i was working early on with linda that there was a point at which I would be healed. I would be done, this would be over, and I would be a perfect person. <laughs> we all wish that. <laughs> and, you know, and this is so patriarchal. This is so right. white supremacist patriarchal. Yeah. This concept that there is perfect. And there isn't, as we know. And uh-huh. we always say that, but, but I don't know that we always really know that. There's still a part of us striving for perfection. Yeah, you're and, right. Definitely. And in spirituality, I had a belief system that 
the reason that so many people are in pain is because they're not doing the emotional work they need to do to heal the wounds that they have brought with them, mm-hmm. both from childhood, but also from our ancestors and past lives, whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I had been doing this work so diligently, so hard. And in 2012, I dated a guy that I'd met in college and we had dated then. And I was head over heels in love with this guy, head over heels. He's a mess. (laughs) I'm good at that. (laughs) Um, He's also brilliant and kind and funny. And, and, but really I wanted him to be happy more than he wanted him to be happy. And inevitably was what, forced the split and you know I felt as though he left me I was the one who left him because I wouldn't be with someone who wasn't willing to do the work who wasn't Mm -hmm. willing to try to be happy and try to not be an asshole yeah Um, and and he's like most of us he's only an asshole when he's in pain so it was a problem that was you know that relationship ended at the end of of 2012 and 2013 I just needed everything to change this was so foundational and so like crushing to me um I I moved out of Vancouver and down to Portland um within three months I quit my job four months and was like, okay, I'm going to start this business. I was in no way financially set up to start this business. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. And of course, probably the best thing I ever did. Right. Um, but you know, when you look at things in hindsight, you're like, wow, I was clearly tripping in grief. Right. Right. So, you know, 2013 to 2014 was hard, just yeah. hard. 2014, I think I'm, I'm going to rank as my lowest year in terms of day to day, how I felt. And what was happening was, you know, my, my boss who I had worked for, uh, for three years was a friend I'd had for 14 years. Okay. And yeah. she, I is a spitfire. She's brilliant. She's talented. She's funny. Uh, and she's narcissist. You know, she, she's abusive and I know she doesn't want to be, but again, I'm done in that role. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of what came to a head was I'm not playing in this role with you anymore. And, you know, she went on and was, you know, wildly successful. Like, you know, she's good at what she does, but she's not very, she has some moments where she's not always ethical or I don't want to say that wouldn't do things the way I would do things. Mm -hmm. She can railroad over people's feelings. She's just in my mind, not facing some of the things, you know, can't tell me she's sorry for the things that she's done. Yeah. And she's yet wildly successful. And my Steve, my ex was, you know, in the process by 2014, I think he was married. You know, he, he started dating someone almost immediately after we broke up and they, they, that worked, that clicked. And, you know, I, I would know this and be like, 
I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, mm -hmm. like, and part of me was, you know, the part of me that felt like she was missing out on everything was, why are they figuring all of this out? Why are they getting what they want? Because in my mind, I was stuck in this idea that if I did my spiritual work, I would get the goods. <laughs> and it right? doesn't Isn't that that how, how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> it does not work that way. Nope. <laughs> and sometimes people are really good at making money. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're happy. That's true. Very true. Sometimes people are really good at pretending that they're a great spouse again it doesn't make them happy yeah yeah but if they don't face that and they don't deal with that it's the show they're willing to live in a state of um discomfort i'm not willing to live in mm -hmm. yeah and that was hard that that feeling like why am i not getting what I am trying so hard to achieve through honest, you know, heartfelt, like facing my past, facing what I have done wrong, facing what, you know, all the pain yeah, and not getting anywhere. Yeah. So okay. what, what kind of helped heal that trauma and help you realize that, you know, that, just being a spiritual person and doing your work is going to like get you all the earthly wonders. Right. Um, yeah. What, what brought you to where you are now today, knowing that that's not true? Honestly, time. Yeah. Time and fortitude. There was a part of my soul that knew I was missing something and you know, getting what you want in life, there isn't a recipe for it. No. And there isn't, you know, this feeds a little into the, you know, the frustration I have with some ways in which people interpret law of attraction mm -hmm. um, as a recipe for getting what you, getting the material things you want in life. Yeah. And the boyfriend, the husband, the baby, the job, the house, whatever. And I... I believe in many of the things around law of attraction, but I think it's the setup that, that is damaging to us as a society mm -hmm. because it places the emphasis on the wrong things. Yeah. And life is bigger than that. Spirituality is bigger than that. You know, there are things in life that are predestined, but most of it isn't. But I do think that, we made contracts with ourselves. Our souls made contracts for this lifetime of things we're going to experience. And unfortunately, we don't know what exactly what that is. And it's having, instead of following a leader, instead of following a path or trying to emulate the way somebody else does business so that you can do it that way too and you can get what they have, it's going in and saying, what do, what do I want it to look like? And what do, how do I want to set this up? And, you know, am I someone who wants to work 10, 12 hours a day? Or do I want more leisure time or perceived leisure time? Yeah. And, and, and stop the comparisonitis. Just 
let it go. Stop caring what other people think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was hard and there was some, you know, that took me a long time to grieve fully and kind of bounce back from, yeah. um, and I, I'd actually say what's 2020 and I might like the last couple of years is 2021, but mm-hmm. the last couple of years, I think I'm, I'm there. I'm finally rebounded from it, but it, it kind of took spirituality for me to a to a deeper place yeah and you know got off the what i'll call retail spirituality of i'm going to be spiritual to get the things that i want right (laughs) well speaking of things that you want Mm -hmm. is a relationship like another go at a relationship something that you want i know i've asked you this plenty of times (laughs) Yes, you have. And, you know, I'm going to say yes, it is. And I can't think of anything more terrifying. <laughs> well, of course, it's terrifying, right? Because I some really good things are terrifying at first. And you've been through hell. And you I also have done... My mind works, you know? What? I know how my mind works. I'm an idealist. I want yeah. the... I want the best things. I, I yeah. want it to work out exactly the way I want it to work out. I want to know how it's going to work out before I actually start. <laughs> None of that <laughs> works. So no. no, yes, I finally feel like maybe I'm at a place where I could do that work because that will be work mm-hmm. that I have yeah. to do in yeah. order to get yeah. that to happen. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you definitely know what to look for in someone now that you didn't know before. It's infinitely clearer to me what I will tolerate and what I won't tolerate. Yeah. And you're on a career path that's that's really your purpose. And you have definitely found you. You have an awesome new apartment. You have an awesome new cat. Yes, and although your cat, although Declan is probably one of your soulmates, <laughs> I don't believe he, he is the only one. Oh no, he's totally not. But I, I joked when I was getting the cat last year, and the irony is that this is the second cat because the first cat was the bad relationship cat, right? Um, he was the. Oh, I love him so much. He's so sweet. God, he's an asshole. I can't take him another minute. I'm going to open the door and let him go. You even got that. Oh, he's so sweet. And I love him so much. So this is this up and down. And I'm like, okay, this cat and I, he needs to be an outdoor cat. And I need to find him a place to do that. Yeah. So the second cat, he, I think for me, this was a, a, a an experiment in just being a responsible for something besides myself mm-hmm. and be accommodating like making room in your life for the uh, another being Mm -hmm. and and so yeah in that sense it's like the baby step of a relationship totally and he's he is he's cuddly and snuggly and chill and and you get along really well and yes yeah there's no drama Mm -hmm. so i you know i i personally believe that's a sign that that you're going to be able to get that in a relationship with yeah. a man someday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, 
there's the logical part of my brain that goes, of course I can find someone to be with. And there's the other side of my brain is like, no, no, you can't. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be a battle, an inner battle. And I, I just will need a lot of support through that uh, process. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things if you were to go out and actively start dating, which sounds scary, I'm sure. Yeah. What are, what are some open, man? What is dating? <laughs> we actually have a friend. We know somebody that's dating or was, no, but they've actually <laughs> given up dating right now. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well maybe, so maybe, you know, when dating's a little when bit easier, yeah, what, are, what are some, some well, things that you're going to just, you know, Really One the, you on your self-care and your awareness. Um, a dating buddy, mm-hmm. meaning someone I share the journey with from the beginning, whose goal is to say, that could be a red flag. Please pay attention. Yeah. Because what empaths tend to do is see potential, get caught up and caught up in in that yeah and ignore willfully ignore red flags and um i i don't know if that will be a problem but that was something i will have is someone that i'm explicitly tell the details to who's willing to go "Mm, i don't know that's a good idea also you know and it may be a therapist because i think um, you, you gotta have friends who can be neutral and who yeah. can be, who don't have their own wounds and aren't yeah. projecting those wounds onto your potential suitor. Yeah. So, definitely. um, it, it will be, and it could be, a, you know, a, a several people so that I can get a fuller perspective, <laughs> but, and I, I apologize to any future person who dates me, but it will be known by a lot of people what's happening because <laughs> I think that's the only way to keep someone like me honest, somebody yeah. who can, who can always look for the fantasy, who can always look for the perfect relationship. I and love I, that, you, that you know that about yourself yeah. and that you, you openly talk about yourself like that. I think that's wonderful. I think that's a step, you know, that's proof of healing right there yeah. is not being ashamed of that. There's a lot of people like you and like me. Sure. I've, I've been in those relationships as well. Um, There's a whole so, industry built on this and it's called movies. <laughs> Rom-coms taught us to pretend that perfect is possible oh and God. that you can fall in love in, in an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. So yeah, so if you were if you were giving advice to somebody that is possibly is going through it right now and isn't sure what to do and whether they're an empath or not, but again, I think most of us, you know, just like you said, so some of us aren't very connected to it, but yeah, we all have the potential. Um, yeah, what would be the advice? How how could someone make their relationship or and or divorce transformative (laughs) my biggest i i can't plug enough energy work and the willingness to know oneself the willingness to be want to do better 
for their partner, but also just want to not be triggered by their partner too. Yeah. And it's, it's a two way street. You know, I highly recommend a book by Bruce Lipton called the honeymoon effect to anybody dating. Um, he talks about what the honeymoon effect is and it's essentially two people reflecting their perfect nature to each other and, and just being so in it and them being perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is a stressor comes in and our programming turns on and we act in a certain way that is what, the way we were programmed as children. Either we saw our parents do it or society and the other person goes, oh, I can't believe you did that. Who are you? I can't believe it. And then the whole thing falls apart because we're sort of horrified that we saw the true self and we're not seeing the true self. We're seeing a program Mm -hmm. and stress is when we go fall into unconsciousness and new love is where we're hyper-conscious. Oh yeah. But it's not, it is only in, in its perfection and it's, easiness so when when stressors come in how we deal with those and just being honest and you know i again sorry any potential suitors um but the question of how dedicated are you to working on yourself is one of my top questions and if you're not if you're not willing to look at you know how we interact together and how we can improve that i am not interested yeah and and nor should you be yeah. And that is a boundary. It is a boundary. <laughs> Which it is. When I asked you what was one of the philosophies, philosophies you follow, of course, I was not surprised that you would pick a Brene Brown something. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was all about her big question, the boundaries, integrity, generosity, big Um, when determining what boundaries to set, which Mm -hmm. laid out a perfect one right there. And the question she says to ask is what boundaries need to be in place for me to stay in my integrity, make the most generous assumptions about you. Yes. Our kindness comes from not feeling used. Our resentment comes in when people repeatedly break a boundary. And we don't hold them accountable. Yes. And without that, if you take that away, if you can hold a boundary, set it, kindly say, oh, I'm sorry, that's, you just broke that boundary Mm -hmm. and you not do that. That allows me to be compassionate to you and to myself. It allows me to, you know, stay in good humor and in good faith and not build walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a huge thing that you took away and learned from both dark nights and soul. I'm sure it just got stronger and more concrete, um, your boundaries and you are where you are today because of all that, you know, I mean, I know anytime you're going through stuff like that, you can't see it right away. Even, even years down the road, sometimes it takes a long time to know that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean the dark night lasts for 10 years it doesn't but the healing that comes of it you know it gets slowly better but it can sometimes be slow and I want to also preface I'm a slow learner 
Um, and I, I, I'm an intelligent person, but I process things at the, at the rate that I do. And it's, I think, slower than a lot of other people. So for me, I can, it, I, I allow myself all the time I need to kind of get it, mm -hmm. which also makes it last longer. Well, and again, self-awareness. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. You're not, and you know, you said compared to other people, but you're not comparing yourself to other people. You're just being real about this is the way that I learn. Mm -hmm. and even when it comes to learning stuff by yourself, learning yeah. different ways to be in the world. And it's amazing. You, you are on your path. I do believe that you're gonna, you're gonna find your person someday. And, um, I think in the meantime, I'll enjoy myself and keep, keep exploring, keep learning, keep growing, keep yeah. healing. Yeah. I mean, and you got, you know, there's a lot of other people, there's a lot of people that, you know, kind of rely on you, um, and your, you know, energy right now, mm -hmm. teaching a lot of people about emp empaths and boundaries yeah. and well, now's the time, man, you know, without empathy, we're never going to get beyond the current crisis. So never now's the time empaths need to come together because we don't live in a sensitive world and we're sensitive beings. So it's yeah. a challenge. Definitely. Awesome. Well, until next time. Thanks, Laura. I hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Laura Rao of The Vital Spirit. Laura is an empath, spiritual seeker, intuitive healer, and mentor serving clients in Portland, Oregon, and virtually from wherever you are. Laura created The Vital Spirit to be an instrument in the ongoing shift in human consciousness. She serves empaths and lightworkers through intuitive energy alignment and strategic business consulting. Contact Laura to help you get aligned with your true nature, your purpose, and your spirit-led business. Visit thevitalspirit.net. For resources specific to empaths, sign up for a workshop and download the four practices for the empowered empath for free. You can also follow Laura on Facebook and Instagram as well at The Vital Spirit. All of her links, including email, are in the show notes. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. If you have your own inspiring story that you would like to share, please go to my Instagram account at the dragonfly mama send me a direct message and we will set it up to chat in the meantime have a wonderful week and we'll be back with a new episode next wednesday take care